Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right. That song means you're listening to The Mystery of Parenthood. We're uh, glad you're listening. If you have a moment, please stop and uh, slow down and uh, take a listen. We'll begin, as we always do, with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, um, yeah, so... Uh, we're here. Uh, Dennis is on the board, and uh, it's just me. So you're gonna have to listen to me. Maybe a little bit of Dennis if he if he has time, but but uh, I won't hold him to that. So hold on, let me get a sip of water here. <laughs> I'll be glad to jump in. Just don't right. ask me any hard ones. No, well, no, no hard questions today. Same for you. Let's just do softballs. <laughs> but but uh, anyway, what I what I was thinking was, I found on a on a website a um, some topics that that. This uh, particular as a pastoral center, I don't even, not sure where it came from, um, but it has some good topics. So I, I, I thought I could address them, and maybe there's some things that uh, you out there are um, would be interested in. So there's several of them. One, the first one is when kids ask tough questions. So um, how best to handle them and um, guidelines for responding. Um, so what I found is, you know, kids will frequently ask difficult questions. I've, I think I've used the story before when, um, a good friend of mine was telling me that, uh, that his, um, son had come in and, and just thought I said, what is dad? What is sex? He's about six years old <laughs> or seven young. And uh, and he said, well, "Why don't you go ask your mother?" And then he went back to his mother, and the mother said, "No, I think that's your dad's job." So, so he came back, and he taught me a really valuable lesson because one of the first things you want to do is clarify what they're asking. Because he, instead of answering the question, which is what his initial thought was, and which probably most of y'all are thinking, he said, "Well, what, so why do you ask that question? I mean, what what what's it for?" And he said, "I." the school's handed me this, this piece of paperwork that I'm supposed to fill out. Maybe he was 10. I don't know, but, it, but he said, it says sex. And then it says M or F. <laughs> <laughs> and so sometimes the question that's being asked is not the question you think too much information and too much information. <laughs> that's an easy answer. Yeah. Um, for, for a parent, you know, it's male, female and, you know, you happen to be a male son, and and so just mark the M for male, and that would be it. <laughs> and despite some people's opinions these days, it is still an easy answer. Right? <laughs> Not yeah. yes, still is. it is, and they still ask the question. Uh, but but anyway, I I think one of the first things is is to clarify what they're really asking mm-hmm. because they may not be asking what you think they're asking. And, and if, if he had, if he dove into what I think his initial thoughts were, um, 
it would have totally boggled the child's mind. Like, wait, yeah, that's not what I was doing. So I think I think guidelines are. I think anytime somebody asks a question, and I think this is a good thing for any, not just with kids, is to clarify what what you're asking and why. What prompted what prompted the question, and um, and that gives you some background. The other thing is, is I think that when when asked tough questions. It's important to know it's okay to say it's not time to answer that question right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe because you don't actually have time to do it. Maybe because you ha- you want to think through the answer to a tough question. And I think that that's something that we we should we we should always if we don't know how to answer it appropriately to to tell the child the young person, whatever, hey, that's a great question. I, I want to get back to you. I'm not prepared to answer it at this point. Is that is that okay? Mm-hmm. And and then and kind of include them in that and say, look, I will get back to you on the response to that question when you're 15. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if if that was the if that was the question, it just yeah, depends. No, and 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 you can say you can say certain things, which which we do with regard to. Why can't I watch, you know, the passion? One of my daughters, you know, and yeah. and I was like, because we really, as parents, don't think that you're ready to mm-hmm. see that. The day will come when you're ready, mm-hmm. and and we will let you know. So sometimes the answer is not now, um, yeah. which is which is fine. I, I we always tell the kids, look, that's sometimes God's answer. You know, it's not always yes or no. <laughs> It, it it could be yes, but not now is mm-hmm. is is God's answer. So I think it's a it's a fair way for us to respond as well in terms of in terms of letting them know, hey, I do have the answer, but it's not appropriate at this at this moment, and, and so I'm going to give let, let's give it some time. But I do promise I'll come back. So I think another point is if you say that. Don't make them come back to you and ask again. again. Yeah. You know, show that you are a person that says, when we say, not now you're not just putting it off. It's like anything else. If we postpone something that really needs to occur at some point in time, that they know that they're not going to have to come back, you know, you, you have mm-hmm. to proactively. So it, sometimes it's really easy to buy time and then say, well, they haven't asked again. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe just, they and forgot. Just, maybe they forgot and put it put it off. <laughs> yeah. And even if they have forgotten to remind them, hey, you did come with this. Maybe now's the time that, that we could talk about it for whatever reason it's appropriate for your age. Mm-hmm. Or now I have, you know, thirty minutes or an hour that I could take with you and maybe let's go get a Coke or something. Yeah. And 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 sit down and talk through it. And I think that that's Another thing, but we want to be characterized if we put them off by people who remember uh, to come back so that they don't think, well, that's, that's just mom and dad saying they don't want to answer it. Yeah. <laughs> and so go from there. But yeah, I think coming back is, is always very important, even when they are quiet because they, they don't forget. No, I don't think typically. they do forget. And, and sometimes it's, again, as we've we've talked about before there there are windows of when when kids open up and they make themselves vulnerable and lots of times when they make themselves vulnerable to you mm-hmm. it's taken them a lot of guts to actually yeah, ask the question you know yeah. for them and they may even and if it's a good question but it makes you uneasy it's making them uneasy it's a good time to come. It's it's really important, I think, for them to know that you'll come back to it, to not make it them having to work up the gumption again to come back and ask mm-hmm. the question. Yeah. And that's out of care and concern for your child as well. It also is establishing a culture that says, hey, valid question, good question. Now's not the time, but a time will come. And then make sure you make a mental mark we're going to make time to address this appropriately either yeah. after I've gotten my time. But I think that's part of establishing a trust by action because you want your children asking questions. You want them asking the hard questions. I mean, you want them asking questions that are difficult. And the other thing is, is when they ask a difficult question or a question that 
maybe catches you off guard to do your best to, hey, that's a good question, yeah. you know, uh, as opposed to maybe responding initially gut reaction yeah. that, that might hinder them from asking a, another difficult question down the road. You want them to always feel like I can ask mom and dad anything, anything. Yeah. anything. And the way you do that is always appropriately respond, whether now or later. But the other one is that that you don't make them have to come back to you again. Um, and you may even preface it by saying, "Hey, this is a this might be a year from now before yeah. <laughs> before we can do it, so that so that you can establish some time frames." And mm-hmm. and like with anybody, you know, you want to you want to under promise and over deliver, you know, and with the kids so that they know because when they're 20 you want them asking the question mm-hmm. you don't want to be characterized by somebody when they ask a difficult question you respond harshly mm-hmm. or that's none of your business or, <laughs> or yeah, whatever I, I, what i have a tendency to do is to go on and on and on and even if it's in my own nervousness and answering a difficult question i i'll i'll feel moments of silence with more me, me talking, you know, right. because I, because you don't want, <laughs> I want to make sure they understand what I'm talking about, but I have to catch myself and stop talking and clarify with them if they are understanding what I'm saying and get their feedback. So, yeah. And that you don't want to, what I, I don't, oftentimes I come across as lecturing, you know, or they'll take it me as too. lecturing when I, <laughs> when, when I think I'm having, we're having a great talk here and, you know, I find out later. No, it kind of felt like a lecture. I'm like, oh, yeah, and it's and tough. That, and it's that's a tough thing. That's another thing is is trying to build where there's where there. Listen, I'm the worst. I mean, I can sit and like I'm doing now, just beat a dead horse. But I but I think I think that it is important to try to engage them and let them feel like they can ask any question and then when they ask one you're not going to respond harshly that, that because it's a difficult one and then when you do respond that you're engaging them and asking questions so what do you think about that and then leave mm-hmm. it at that um so you know i know i think when my dad talked to me about the birds and the bees it was a extraordinarily awkward mm-hmm. um <laughs> moment and I could tell he was feeling awkward and I remember saying something like oh we learned about that in health class or something like that to kind of just yeah take it so so even though he 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 was doing it properly appropriately and and doing it at appropriate time and trying to be it it, his uneasiness even as a child sometimes you'll say oh it's okay or you know Mm -hmm. yeah I get I understand or I know that already or whatever and you don't also want to do that because if you're uneasy, usually the best way to do it is to say, hey, I, you know, great question. Thanks for asking. And I will get with you. But could you give me a little bit of time to kind of yeah. pray, prepare for it? And the last thing is the Holy Spirit is your God. You're a parent mm-hmm. and you're living out the sacrament of marriage and, and graces are there for you. So I think particularly in different times or when you're going to have any talk with your children to ask for the Holy Spirit to guide the conversation and uh, mm-hmm. help you to say what needs to be said in a manner that that will best impact them and lead them towards the good, mm-hmm. the true and the beautiful, to pray for the Holy Spirit to lead that. I think that, you know, sometimes I, I'll get to talking and it'll be mid that I, the middle of it before I actually think, you know what, I probably should ask yeah. the Holy Spirit to kind of help me with this. Cause I, I've found that if you do ask somehow you'll end up going, I don't even know where that came from, but yep. it was actually a pretty good answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, one thing I always try to make a point of doing is coming, coming back after the discussion, <clears throat> excuse me, the discussion and thanking. Yes. Thanking them for, that's what you. That's what you up. want. That's what you want to do. I mean, so the yeah. the goal is to keep them open to you, mm-hmm. so that at any point in time, they can ask any question and and not. You know, I I was just this weekend, just for example. You know, I kind of out of nowhere, my my daughter asked me a question. Hey, there's a 
kind of a co-ed mm-hmm. sleepover, all good Christian people that are going to do that. I, I don't feel comfortable with that, but mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on it? And I, and I, and I said, you know, I, I understand that they're all good people and nothing's going to happen, but I, I don't think, I don't think that that's appropriate. I'm glad you don't either. And she said, well, I've already said, no, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, then nothing's going to go on. And I said, well, it's really not the nothing that's going to go on. And I, and I, you know, these are things that you kind of learn. First mm-hmm. Corinthians eight, when Paul says, I'm not, I'm not going to, I can eat anything in good conscience. But, but he also goes on to say, but if, but if in my eating, I corrupt somebody else's conscience who thinks it's bad, yeah. who looks to me and says, well, it's okay, but they're not really actually okay with it. But they say, well, since he says it's okay, mm-hmm. I'll do it. I said that's what you don't want to create. So you do have Scandal. a responsi- you have a responsibility to other people that are looking at you and looking to you because you're known to be a Christian to to respond in a way even if you know nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. The way it looks sometimes is is enough to say that's really something I shouldn't yeah. do. Yeah. It tweaks the conscience. I've I've seen those situations in uh, back in my college days where, right. you know, you had entire large houses. They had one wing for, for men, one wing for women. And it just, I wasn't, wasn't crazy about it. And yeah. the co-ed dorm thing that, that still is, still is around these days. And I'm not crazy about that, you right. know, just because um, it, it is doable, but it just, it, it's the near occasion. Near occasion. But, but again, you know, when my daughter she didn't have to ask me that question. Mm-hmm. She didn't. She didn't even have to tell me that she wasn't going to do it. That's what we've tried to cultivate. I'm glad. I'm. You know, I've missed. I've missed the opportunity. And I've and I've messed up in terms of how I've handled things. But, but, hopefully, my kids all know. And my goal and our goal as parents has always been, whatever we do, we want to make sure that the door is always open. Mm-hmm. You know, even if 25, if they have a question. <laughs> You know, well, what do you think? We always say, we want to be on your list. We know as you get older, you're going to have other people. We would hope that we would be on the list. We would hope that maybe a good priest or some other person would be. Mm-hmm. And I know you're going to ask other people, but please keep us on the list <laughs> of people to ask. Yeah. And anyway, but, but so it even comes up at 21 mm-hmm. um, when something happens for her to ask, you know, how would you, I mean, she actually asked, how would you respond to this? Because I said, I've. She, that was another thing she was asking is how do I tell them this in a loving way? Yeah. Why am I not going to do it when these other solid Christian people who I have no doubt, you yeah. know, I have no doubt that there was nothing going <laughs> to inappropriate going to be going on. But I said, that's not really the issue at that point. I mean, it's something else and they probably shouldn't be doing it, but you know, maybe you're, they ended up not, yeah, and I don't don't know why. Yeah, um, but they went and did what they were going to do, and and I know Steph. I mean, um, Kingsley said she left like at three thirty in the morning. You know, yeah. with some other girls and walk and walk back. So yeah. Um. Anyway, I, th- those are just those are just a few key things. I think that's something that we're all going to be we all as parents are confronted with is that kids will at various ages ask um, difficult questions. So clarify what they're asking. Pray to the Holy Spirit. Be open to it. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid of saying, "Hey, maybe now now's not the right time." Mm-hmm. And then always make sure you come back um, and address the issue. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, that's helpful. On and, that one. and thank them for asking and support and thank them that. for asking and support them and make them feel comfortable that the next time they have a difficult mm-hmm. question, they can come back. So, anyway, um, another one that's of interest. Actually, just on the way over here, heard. Uh, a conversation where a guy was, you know, about the about the child in the pew, mm. you having your having your children, particularly the younger ones, um, in yeah. in church. Um, I know there's different views on this, but I will say I will say what I think the church says is is your children, even if they're difficult to deal with, belong at mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they belong at mass mm-hmm. um, because the grace is there. The other thing is, when are you going to teach them? That's that's when you teach them. And so sometimes sometimes part of teaching them is having it. We also 
we're big advocates and believe that the closer they are to seeing what's going on, the more the better chance you have of if they're of of them staying engaged or keeping them engaged. Mm-hmm. So getting them close to the altar, which is a risk. <laughs> it's a big risk. Yeah. But keeping them close to the altar allows for you to do some coaching and counseling as they're as they're there. If they're looking at the back of somebody else and they're listening to words, mm-hmm. particularly if they're young, you don't you don't um <laughs> you don't have the opportunity to show them something mm-hmm. visual aids <laughs> help. And, uh, and the back of somebody's back is probably not the best. So I think Jesus wants them there. However, on the flip side, mm-hmm. I think it's important and it's humbling to, to know when the appropriate time to take them out mm-hmm. is. And our gauge was always, well, if it was, if it's bothering me, I'm sure it's bothering somebody else, right? We, we, you know. If we ever sat near the altar, we always made sure there was a side door that we could escape. No, well, that, that, so that's a, that's always even. <laughs> I mean, at St. Mary's, it wasn't the case. I mean, right. there were plenty right. of times, and 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 again, this is something that I that I've learned, and I think is very consistent with church teaching, in terms of. You have even at mass, you have a duty and an obligation. Your your best offering is to be fulfilling whatever your vocation in that moment is. So mm-hmm. if you're a parent and you have to grab a child because they're misbehaving or not controlling themselves, and walk down the you know the, yeah. the, the walk yeah, yeah. of shame, you know, you've taken taken a <laughs> three or four year old out down the hall there was no place to escape but you do want to do where you're not like locked in so you definitely want to have an exit at least from the pew it's true (laughs) to be able to be able to leave and i remember those long walks back and for the longest time i'm gonna have to go to mass again i have to do and what i learned was is on the way back to be praying and saying lord I, i offer you this because i know in this moment this is exactly what i'm called to do yeah even if it's embarrassing um even if it's something that yeah. I wish my kid was behaving better than that. Which Well, I'm, the, the interesting thing about this is if a parent is not working with their child, they're letting them crawl all over right. the pew and, and be very disruptive, then people around you aren't patient with that. But if you're actively working with a child and, and right. we... We had one in particular, I'm not going to name their name, uh, one of our kids that would scream. Right. And um, whenever they would misbehave, we would take them out, even if we're at the front of the church. You know that there's the uh, the scream, 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 and then there's a deep breath. Right. So in the scream parts, we would bury their face into my shoulder. Right. And scream. A muffled scream, and then I knew that breath when the breathing had to come, and we let them catch their breath on the way back, and then right. scream into my shoulder, and people would smile at that. That they they would empathize with what we're going through, and they wouldn't be irritated, but they appreciated that I didn't let the kids scream at the front of the church, you know. And so we we take them out, but yeah, and I think I think it's so I think it's important for people who are past that age to to have some grace. You know, with that, mm-hmm. particularly if they are, particularly if they are working on it. But yeah. there's a point when you know your own kid. There's nothing I'm going to do that's going to salvage this. I mean, <laughs> they're they're past the point of no return, uh, and so it's time to go back. Yeah. You know, and then you know that that that's again. Remember, mass is an offering. I mean, you're we're offering Jesus, and we're offering ourselves with that. So if we, it's not about what I'm getting from it; it's about what I can offer. Mm-hmm. And I figured, you know, after some time going through it, that that if I'm dealing with a child and how how to appropriately handle, you know, going to mass and being there, mm-hmm. that we that we that I could make that an offering even as I'm walking out of the, of that, you know, and, and, and make that a prayer, so to speak, and swallow my pride and know, yeah, yeah there's people looking like, we well, can't control your child. Well, you know, it's always easier to look at somebody else and say, you can't control your child. I know. You know, I, I've had enough to know uh, that, that anything that somebody's attempting to do, they're 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 all different. Oh and, yeah, and, and every and kid's different it. too. So yeah, it's. I, there's been a couple of times where the kid was so 
so noisy they couldn't be in the narthex or the choir. Right. The, I've, the had choir walk, I've had to walk. I've had to walk. I've had to go the, to a different mass than the rest right. of the family. And walked out of the out and, <laughs> just, and been outside. So. Yeah, outside. But also one time it got so bad I just sat them in their car seat and right. just. <laughs> I just stayed in that car seat and, and buckled them up, let them scream their head off. And I was in the car with them for about 45 minutes. Right. And just, just, you know, Darby came out and like, where were you? And like, yeah, we couldn't even stay in the cry room. Right. So, <laughs> so, the, so there's that. I think the other thing that I think you owe, particularly to young children, mm-hmm. is to prepare them for it. In other words, to practice. Right. And so one way to practice shorter is to, is to, take them to a daily mass so that, you know, it's 30, 30 minutes and depending on how old they are to get them used to how, how it is and, and establish those expectations. We did, which I know Stephanie's talked about as they got older, we actually had the, you know, we had them develop for, for our family, you know, basically the 10 commandments of going to mass, you know, and, Hmm. you know, and, and so they, they pitched in, the rules. Um, sometimes we had to say yeah, that's a little strict or that's a little too much. Other times, like, well, that's a really good one. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. But but to engage them in that and then help them. Well, what about this? But they but we had that. We would go over that with them before, and then we would practice even adoration to go and when they're young to say, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to do ten minutes. Okay, we're going to yeah. sit quiet for ten minutes and give them a sense of what ten minutes is like. Yeah. So that you're working with them so that they can behave better. Stephanie did use sign language, which worked. It's one of my, we, I know we've told this story before, but it's always one fun. She learned be quiet mm-hmm. in sign language. So you're not, and, and uh, Madison was, I don't know, five or six, and she was having a rough one. And, and Stephanie used whatever the sign was for, please be quiet. And her response was, after she made the sign, was, no, be quiet. Oh. <laughs> so, out loud. So, out loud. I was thinking so, she responded back in sign language. No, no she that actually screamed. So then we had to take her out. So there, it's a it's a work in progress. And be patient yeah. with them. It, it is hard. I mean, an hour for a, oh, yeah. for a four or five-year-old is mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is to to start teaching them. So we did this as well at home. We'd get a chalice and we'd kind of go through what was going on in mass, mm-hmm. like so that they, hey, so when this happens, so and so sometimes the way we quieted them was, hey, wait, they right here, something big is about to happen. You know, the consecration, or yeah, I'd like to whisper in their ears and where's Jesus? Exactly, you know, we just talk real quietly in their ear and just kind of keep. The, exactly. That conversation going in their attention, you know. Well, I, I remember one time at St. Thomas, and I don't remember who the family was, but it's after our kids had, had kind of grown up, and and there was a there was a kid on the front row that when the host was raised, when <laughs> he said Jesus, you yeah. know, and they were so embarrassed, and they actually apologized after I said, no, "You're teaching it. You're awesome. teaching him." I mean, the fact that he knows, yeah, that that's Jesus. Uh, uh, that was a great thing to hear. There's probably some people there that needed to hear that. Um, a lot of people that <laughs> you know that needed that. to hear that as yeah. that host is raised, um, yeah. there he is. And so um, I think that's that's a great point. So coach and counsel them, give them give them as they get older, maybe even include them on them making their own rules because there's ownership in that. It's not being put on them, and you can guide that. I mean, I found that usually when we ask them to help us with rules, they we had to temper them more than we had to expand them um, and really teach them and give them some practice in doing, in doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you do that, you prepare. And what you want to do is if you know you're going into a situation, and this is not just mass, if you know you're going into a situation and certain things are going to happen, for example, we would talk to them about if we were going to a wedding or something and they were little and they're going to be all dressed up, that you're probably going to get a compliment. Somebody's going to yeah. is probably going to say, oh, well, you look very nice today or something. How would you respond to that? And, and then they, they may say, thank you. And I said, okay, that, that's very good. That would be a great response. Look them in the eye and say, thank you. But you coach them. And then, and then on the flip side, we'd say, if they look nice, then you could say, well, you look very nice too. Even coming from a little, 
you know, from a little kid. So we gave them practice, particularly if we knew they were going into something that they would have certain things happen. And I think that's what we're, that's what we're called to do was to try to foresee issues that could happen or opportunities to get, to gain them praise. Well, that was a very nice comment because a lot of, a lot of younger kids will either get embarrassed or whatever. I say, you, you do look very nice. So if somebody says, wow, mm-hmm. you, you look very nice and grown up, the appropriate is to look right back at them and say, thank you. Mm-hmm. So you coach them on, on those things. Same thing you would do for mass. You kind of coach them, give them opportunities for success. And listen, when they succeed, particularly without your direction, when they, when, even if you've directed them prior but they mm-hmm. they respond appropriately. Make sure, maybe not in front of the people, but afterwards to say, I saw what you did and that was outstanding the way you handled that. Mm-hmm. You know, and give them praise even just by the side. I, I'm so proud of the fact that you handled that the way you did as, mm-hmm. a, as a young person because you're kind of w- wanting to build it. And so you're wanting to build their confidence in mm-hmm. themselves, their ability to interact with other people, particularly older people. And you're wanting them to have success. And so again, we've talked about this. What you really want to do is parenting can become very much a no, you shouldn't, that was bad, oh, that yeah. type of stuff. What you really want to do is make sure that you're building in ways for them to have success and then make sure that they're hearing about their success. Mm-hmm. You know, wow, that was really grown up of you, the way you responded to that or how you handled that. And even like if you're going over now, you know, we've talked, we'd talk to them if we're going over and there's a younger kid there and there's going to be toys and y'all are going to be playing together. What happens if little so-and-so grabs a toy from you. How, how would you handle that? I mean, again, just try to foresee probable <laughs> yeah. or at least possible things that you can work on prior to that and then try to catch them doing good so that they don't associate anything that you say with always being a negative mm-hmm. about them. Um, and so look for the small things that you can have success in. Anyway, I don't know if you had anything else on that, Dennis, but... No, that was good. You're, you're just bringing black, back flood flood of memories. Right. No, exactly. I mean, and, and it is. And so I look, I mean, you want the kids. It's it's horrifying always, memories at the time, but just, just great ones right now. Because I just right. I think of all the fun things that. Well, that, and I'll throw this in too, I which I know we've talked about a lot. Don't compare your kids with other kids. Okay. Oh, it's easy uh, to say. No, I know, but I'm. Do, do, we did that too, yeah. like anybody else. Oh yeah. Like oh, th- those kids are always so well behaved, and our kids are a train wreck. You know. Um, yeah. Number one, what I learned and what I remember telling Stephanie when when like I wish they were like that was well look at the parents <laughs> and their personalities, their temperaments, and compare them with ours. Our kids have to deal with the fact that they're actually related to us. I know. <laughs> you know, so so they've seen outbursts. <laughs> they're they're maybe more vocal than the uh, than the yeah, other person. Yeah. They and again also see a no or the ability to say no, not not necessarily to maybe your direction, but to something else as being okay. We just need to guide that. That's not a bad thing for a child to be confident enough to say no. I'm not going to do that if it's an appropriate time to say it to teach them how to say it because we want them to be able to say no when they're older. So, you know what I'm saying? So sometimes Mm -hmm. you can need to look at those as, okay, that wasn't the best way to use that, but we don't want to say that you always have to say yes either um, Mm -hmm. for sometimes you need to say no. And um, anyway, but, but any coaching on that is, is I think really, um, important. So with that, so the first one was on when they asked tough questions. Second mm-hmm. one was on children in the pew. The next one was on how you teach your children generosity. And I, th- and I think that um, you want to raise generous children. Um, so first you've got to give good example of that mm-hmm. and, and not just, you know, I'm putting money in the basket or, that, but just being generous with your time and help. 
Mm-hmm. So I've had the opportunity because of things I've been involved in where, where I've had the opportunity to help some people that were way less fortunate than us. And, and at the appropriate age, if I had access to one of my children, when I was going to help with whatever I was going to help, I would bring one of the children with me in order for them to see, to see that. And um, even mm-hmm. as they've gotten older uh, and have their own money, when I have that opportunity, even though maybe I could do it myself, I'll ask some of my other kids, hey, would you like to pitch in on this? Here's a situation. Their electricity is about to get cut off or they don't have any food or mm-hmm. whatever and, and include them in that. Um, I had one time in particular, I, I actually, it, it was electricity getting cut off and it was a young family. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the lady when we paid the bill was super appreciative and she sent back a picture of her and her kids and said, look how happy they are. You know, they have, they have water. And, and I shared that with, with my daughter who had helped with that. And I said, see what you did, but just think about how fortunate that's also another being generous means that we have something that other people don't. And we, Mm -hmm. and, and that, that we take for granted things like having water running and being able to, turn on the lights and they work and, and having heat when it's cold and air conditioning when it's hot and that small little gift. So give them the upside of being generous. I mean, let them experience what it's like to give something away that's of value to them um, and do it. The other thing is when they're, when they're younger, trying to teach them, teach them about sharing. Mm -hmm. And again, this is a coaching and counseling thing. If you have, little cousins that are coming over hey they're going to love that this toy you have is oh yeah they're going to love so hey why don't you just why don't you it'd be a really cool opportunity for you and talk kind of talk about it that way really cool for you to to let them play with that for a little bit you know and and work on that prior to (laughs) the best time to handle that's not when the kid's asking and you're trying to coach the kid in the moment give them a heads up uh, on the front end and maybe even talk about it in a way, because I think like all people, when, when they, when the younger may be harder, but, but at some point they're, they're going to get it when they see somebody else using something that you gave them mm-hmm. and they're experiencing some joy. That's some, that's what some of the blessing that comes back mm-hmm. from that. Um, I think also teaching generosity revolves around the fact that, of letting them be aware of the blessings that we have, particularly those that we take for granted health, you know, so let's go visit, you know, Mimi or, or, you know, the grandmother. And, Mm -hmm. and that may take time from you being able to play or, or go out with your friends or whatever. And notice how joyful she is when you guys walk in the room, you know, notice what just your presence means for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's another thing. Give them biblical references. I love most of my kids know pretty well Matthew 25 about the last judgment, not focusing on the judgment, but focusing on, on the fact that Jesus associates himself. He says, when you, whatever you did the, for the least of these, my brethren, you did unto me, focus on the positive. That when we're helping somebody else, we're actually helping Jesus himself. So you're kind of filling in the truth about what, what our faith teaches, which is those people who come across our path in need of something. Mm-hmm. And it could be a kind word. It could be support. It could be, Hey, it could be just even asking and, and listening, it, it, help them understand that those are all acts of mercy. Um, and to not just let those small things go by. Um, I think that's how you teach them to be generous and understand it's not just always about the toy or the money. Sometimes it's just about your giving of yourself just mm, by being yeah. present in the moment is, is a, is a way of being generous because you can be generous with your time. Yep. As I was well going to say the exact same thing. Give, give together of a, of a common cause. I think one thing that our kids grew up uh, doing with our our whole family, all of us together, we're out on the sidewalk outside of the Planned Parenthood, right? Absolutely, you know, um, and uh, in that one common cause to uh, reach out to women in need, uh, absolutely, and pray. And so, 
uh, not easy, not easy to do, but um, definitely but you have something to give it, that impacted all of their lives yeah, ours, strongly. Ours too, in that mm-hmm. they were used to, they were, particularly when they were young, they were used to, to being, a, being out there. And then we would explain the best of our ability, what was going on and why, you know, yeah. that's appropriately by age, but but yeah, it doesn't have to be something of, of that nature. It could be, you know, give to uh, your parish organization. Right. Or know, we serve together. As, or we would group. go wrap presents sometimes. And as they got mm-hmm. older, when, you know, Christmas, they would always yeah, need somebody yeah. to wrap presents and or deliver them. Deliver, you know, yeah. We, we would deliver presents to, mm-hmm. to, so that they see two things. One, that, and they experience the joy of, of, of giving to somebody else. But then they also see a side, like I said, mm-hmm. you know, Madison went to Haiti on a mission trip and it was a right. game changer for a lot of reasons. But one of them was just an awareness of, wow, this is a, this is a country. This is not like a neighborhood. This right. is like a country that doesn't have, I mean, they have dirt floors in their houses, you know, I mean, that type of stuff gives a perspective that I think you can be sheltered from if you don't allow them to see that we're extraordinarily blessed materially Mm -hmm. and that God asked for us to give. So so the Good Samaritan, that's that's another Bible story that you can read about. He doesn't just help him off the street, but he actually brings him somewhere and then says, I'm going to, you know, I'll pay for whatever is necessary, but those type of things, but you got to help them experience that. And the best way is when they're young for you to actually bring them along for those type of things. Mm -hmm. Um, But always again, teach a little bit, (laughs) you know, point out things that maybe they didn't recognize or, you know, that one time, but this is kind of a funny story. They, we did walk into, uh, a house one time with some gifts and these people had obviously put their names in for a lot because there were more, (laughs) there were more presents around that tree than there were going to be in our house. So we had to do a little of well, how how, they've got like eight presents. It's a a different type of lesson. You know, it's a different, it's a different, it's a different lesson. It's not about that. Yeah. Um, And even, even Christmas is a time to speak about generosity. You know, we for longest time, in trying to whittle back, you know, six kids and just the financial burden of, you know, we want to get them, yeah. get them their, their things was, Hey, listen, what we're going to move to and what we eventually did move to is, you know, Jesus got three gifts at, at his. So why don't we stick to three gifts, you mm-hmm. know? And then we would do, um, we, we do still to this day, we do one spiritual gift, one, um, need like right. I need shoes cause I got holes in them. I mean, something, <laughs> something that, yeah. I, something that I need and then a want. Yeah. And, and, and it, that's not something like that, that everybody needs, but, but that, that was kind of a way of explaining, okay, if it was good enough for Jesus, it's probably good enough for us. Yeah. And that there's more things than just getting stuff. Sometimes you need stuff. That's going to be the need. We all need spiritual help. So, you know, as they've gotten older, we've asked them, like, well, what do you want? Some have said, I want the Magnificat. Others have said, I'd really like a Bible. Yeah. Others have, you know, said, I'd like a journal. Whatever it is, but, but, but have that in the generosity, making sure that you do it. And I think the last thing on gener- generosity is anytime we give, anytime we make an act for the love of God and for the love of of meeting other people is to tie it back to the mass. Cause that's where that's appropriately offered. In other words, at the mass, anytime we do something mm-hmm. for love of God, we should bring it to mass and at least in our hearts, say I'm placing that mm-hmm. along with myself on the patent as something that I'm offering back to God. And again, it's the nice Catholic way, the Christian way of, of kind of integrating the invisible is, yeah, it's just another person, but Jesus has made himself associated with that person. And therefore, when I do it to him, when I do it to that person, I'm doing it to Jesus because he says as much. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you're kind of giving them a background. So again, we're trying to link faith with practical application always, mm-hmm. I think. So I don't, did you have anything 
else on that, we're getting yeah. down to the end. Um, that was spot on. But I think the I think we might have time for one more. Um, is talking talking to your children about God. Um, well, and which, talking to God. And talking to God mm-hmm. about Daily. yeah, and so so teaching them that prayer is part of every day. You know, that's it's not a. It's because of who he is. So we need mm-hmm. to talk to him as as he's revealed himself. He's a good father. You know, so we need we need to talk to him. You know, as a good father, when we need something or when we would like something to happen or mm-hmm. for the sake of somebody else. So I think it's important when we talk about, when we talk about God and when we talk to God, that we make sure that we're um, making sure that they have a proper view. I think one of the things that I've gone to great lengths to say is I'm meant, I am meant to be a reflection to you as children an image of God the Father. I'm meant mm-hmm. to be that. That's He shares his name with me. Whenever I fail, I need to say that was Trey Cashin acting like Trey Cashin. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've failed recently with one of my children um, in terms of how I responded and the way I interacted with him. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll, we'll do a show on that and uh, because I think that's really important to know, number one, just because I have a radio show and just because Stephanie and I have a radio show does not make yeah. us like, oh, everything's fine and dandy. No. It's yeah. not. I mean, we have bad occasions when we are the problem, not our child, and when we respond inappropriately. But I think it's also important, again, to link that to mm-hmm. our faith, which says that we're meant as a sacrament to be images of God to our children. So we need to understand how God acts. He's love and mercy. He's truth. He's justice, all those different things. But we need to deliver it in a way that says that. And when I don't deliver mercifully, when I don't mm-hmm. handle things the way I know God would want me to handle it, handle them, that I would be quick to let them know that's not like God. That, yeah. that What I just did is me, sinful me, sinning in the way that I responded to this situation Mm -hmm. so that they, so that again, you're aware of that. The other thing is we need uh, from very early age, we need our kids understanding. We used to have a little beginner's Bible that we would read. So if they, they have stories that they know that God has revealed in the old Testament that God has revealed that shows them how, he acts so and how he responds and who he wants to work with. I mean, one of the biggest ones that I can remember my son, the oldest could he, before he could read, he, he could actually flip the pages and say the words. Cause it was just a, you know, it was a beginner's Bible of David mm-hmm. and Goliath. Yeah. Well, God, you know, things like that, you can say, well, God likes to work with people who aren't the strongest, who aren't the most, attractive he always he he chooses to work through not that he can't through them but that he chooses often to work through a little boy that mm-hmm. everybody says is not right. good enough to handle a big situation that people a lot bigger a lot stronger will shirk from mm-hmm. and so be on the lookout he can work he can work with even you as a young child mm-hmm. by you being strong and trusting that he will work through you. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that that's, that's something that he's provides. I think another thing is really important. And we've had multiple things in our lives where we've had emergent situations where, where we've prayed actively and we've included our kids in those prayers mm-hmm. specific enough to where, when God has delivered mm-hmm. and he has, that we can point back to God and see God acts today in our lives on this particular situation. We know he did because of the way it unfolded. And so we have to have our own stories mm-hmm. as well, where we show trust in God, where we show a, a knowledge of who he is and how he acts. And then when the answer is no, we say sometimes the answer is no, it may not be no now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it may be no now, but as I mentioned before, it could be not yet. 
you know, that we, right. there's something we have to do. So we, cause God responds out of love and he knows better than us show, show movies, Prince of, uh, Prince of Egypt or, um, King of dreams, which is about Joseph mm-hmm. is, is extraordinary because there's one song in there that is still one of my favorites. And I talked with my old, one of my older sons just because we heard a song about that. And he goes, I love that song. And it was just, you know, better than I. And so it's Joseph that's mm-hmm. like in a prison and he's in right. bad, in bad shape. And he's for, at first angry with God, but then he, he says, you know, better than I. And then the rest of the story is God put him there to actually yeah. save his family. And so that sometimes God allows bad things in order that good things can come out of it, which mm-hmm. you, so if you teach them that when a bad thing comes, you can always point back and say, okay, a bad thing, looks like a bad thing, but God knew it was happening. He's not surprised by it. He knows. And so we just have to trust that he's at work in our lives and that he's going to use this bad thing, this evil thing, this thing that didn't work out the way we wanted in order to bring out, bring about a better good. You know, in, in, I think in the beginning of this last segment, you were talking about us being an image of, of God, the father to our children. Right. But oftentimes when bad things happen with our children and we're looking at upon them, we have to also remember, just like we're looking upon our children, kind of take right. that reverse role. Absolutely. This is how God is looking at us. Absolutely. And that, that helps me oftentimes have a lot more mercy on. And that's part of the mystery the parenthood. Mm-hmm. Part of the mystery parenthood is as we're working on our children, if we're actively involved, part of the grace that we receive is we learn how God's looking at us. Sometimes we'll make a comment and you'll, and you'll hear it and you'll realize, okay, (laughs) God's saying the same thing to us. So hopefully this was kind of a random show, but uh, hopefully there were some practical things were at the end. So uh, always remember people pray parent with a purpose and prepare for God to amaze you. He always does pray for us. We'll be praying for you. God bless. God bless you. Bye.